the future of photography. Let's start this. Okay, hello everyone. This is the future of photography. A bit of a different episode. This is a live stream. This is a video stream. This is an audio stream. We are doing this on our Discord, so it might sound a bit different and definitely look a bit different. We lost our bubbles, unfortunately. Um, which, I, you know, I love those bubbles. Um, and uh, <laughs> then we have a live audience in the Discord in our community home, um, which is at tfttf.com slash join to tfop if you're watching this left bottom on your screen that's where you can find that and um unfortunately Imar cannot make it today but we have jeremiah and adrian hello hello hi it's the, it's the end of a long Very day of sitting in front of screens for me yeah, I've... yeah, it's the end of civilization here, but the beginning yeah. of a new day. <laughs> yeah, that is fine. As long as we wake up in the morning, everything is okay. I think I have. <sighs> yeah, let's let's check our pulses for a second. Yeah, it's it's still there. I actually did a uh, a little seminar today at the photo show. At, there you uh, did you? I did that. Yeah, so... I did the copyright seminar. Awesome. Uh -huh. So we have we have about forty five minutes to go here today because then the. Stuff will happen, and um, so we're time-limiting this one today. We want to discuss a bit what was going on at the photography show today. It's in Birmingham, right? Well, it's usually well, it in Birmingham. It would have been in yes. Birmingham if it wasn't a virtual <laughs> show today, which gave... It would also have been in March as well, but... <laughs> yeah. But this gave Jeremiah and me the opportunity to go there, have a look at some of the sessions, because they were streaming all the sessions virtually. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, it, it was it was cool. So let's just take turns. Um, I know, Adrian, you watched at least four or five of them, probably more. I got, oh boy, yeah. I got to watch three, unfortunately, only. Jeremiah got watched one. So why don't we start with you, Adrian, and just give us like a five-minute rundown on one of your favorite okay. sessions. Five, five minutes? Look, can you not see these notes? <laughs> <laughs> see a white screen. Oh, yeah. I got, so so I, thought I'd, I thought I'd take some notes because there's, I've seen so much stuff today and I thought I might forget some of it. So it's... Um, uh so it's been it's been really interesting it's the first time i've ever done one of these things you know a virtual trade show or or whatever you want to call it um and uh some of it just made me just smile some of it was charming and made me smile and made me feel happy uh, and other bits of it were slightly glitchy um and uh overall uh i think it was a, a really good effort actually um i've enjoyed it it's been it's not quite as hectic as it usually is because usually I'm running around the show floor all day and you know uh, stuff like that. But it's um, but it has been fun. So what have I seen today? Just in in no particular order, actually, probably in chronological order because that's the yeah that's the way I wrote the notes. Um, I have seen uh, the art of seeing with Ben Brain shooting a BBC documentary series on an iPhone. That was probably my favourite, actually. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, changing the narrative of African society. Audio for video 101. Mobile and solutions journalism. I had no idea what solutions journalism is. I'm not, still not sure. <laughs> um, how to tell better stories with the production studio you already own, your smartphone. 
being unique, seeing things that others don't. How to use 360 cameras to capture epic stories with no crew. Uh, big up your rig, taking your mobile kit to the net max and how to capture our beautiful world. Now, as you can see, there's quite a lot of mobile That's stuff. That's a bit in of there, a tour um, de force you did there. Wow. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. I was going for creative stuff and I was also trying to find in the techie area um, some of the things that we might be interesting to the TFOP audience, um, which is why there's a bit of a bias towards mobile kit and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been a really interesting one. See, seeing the guy who, who shot a, a TV documentary series for the BBC on an iPhone, not just on an iPhone, he had another camera as well. That was a GoPro 4. <laughs> so, <laughs> Two cameras, there you go. Two cameras, yeah, yeah, and he lives he lives on a, a canal barge, you know, a, a narrow boat uh, that that plies or did historically ply trade between uh, various different cities in in the north and east, and and sometimes down to the south of England, um, and uh, that's what his his uh, documentary series and his YouTube channel are about. He was hilarious um, and uh, re- really good fun. Um, and that was a good example of the shows, actually, uh, the sessions, because some of them were interviews, you know, one-to-one interviews. So there was an interviewer back at base and then the the, the guest or, or interviewee, uh, wherever they happened to be. Others were technical sessions that were pre-recorded and the uh, the people that had done the pre-recording were also live in the chat. So you could chat with them live uh, as the pre-recorded video went out. Um, and so some of that was, was quite effective. I'm just trying to think of... Uh, you know, just pull out a couple of headlines about sort of what I might have learned or, or seen. Um, definitely, uh, there is um, there's definitely a big push all around the world to using much lighter weight equipment for for day to day stuff. Uh, um, that they're not so much perhaps for feature films or for high budget stuff. Oh yes, definitely, Chris. Yeah, waving your phone there. There's a lot of that around. Um, although possibly I did seek it out. Um, and that, so, and consequentially, of course, there's a lot of people who are trying to add little bits and bobs to make up for any deficiencies you might have in a cell phone as you go filmmaking. Um, audio being the prime one, plenty of stuff around audio, uh, and some really good sessions today. Actually, I did watch one that was uh, from a guy who worked for Rode Microphones, um, and who was just doing the very basic principles of EQ, compression, stuff like that, but in a video editing context. Um, which I think I probably knew most of that, uh, but that was it was certainly a good refresher. Um, uh, it's worth actually noting at this point that all of the uh, all of the videos that have been played, unless they were live or interviews, all of the videos that have been played uh, will be available for some while. So even if you can't make it, you can go to the photography show website, register, and then log in and watch some of this stuff for the next few weeks. Um, so so that's uh, another another thing worth doing and they're so, on tomorrow according to the map. this is the 20th of september mm-hmm. 2020 right now so if uh, if anyone's watching this live on the stream then yeah tomorrow there's more sessions so we've only kind of covered the first day um there and and that's we have to say they, they weren't really that in-depth i mean there are very short sessions most of them that i saw were around the 30 minute mark so mm-hmm. um 
which I think is more like for, for me felt more like like a tasting buffet you know you can like sample different areas and then find out what's interesting to you and then probably go back for more um, in other contexts but uh, it worked really well for me that format yeah I, I liked it because it was, I was able to cover a lot of ground you know so you can go from one thing you know you can go yeah. for uh, the art of seeing you know who and and a lot of these presenters had you know three to five bullet points of things that you could really take away and be tangible mm. you know to help you with your photography uh, and then uh, then you could nip from that to a technical one then back to a creative one and and things as sort of sort of social documentary type things um, and I really liked that Actually, I found it was great. And especially seeing as, you know, you know what it's like when you're at these places for real. The two things you want to see uh, are several hundred metres apart. <laughs> like, um, and if you if you pick the wrong one and you get there in five minutes and you think, oh, no, I should have gone to the other one. Um, then you have to try and struggle through crowds to get out of one theatre, make your way across the floor to another theatre. And theater. you will catch all kinds of things on these trade shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I, I miss. Um, I miss packing a knapsack with all of the handouts you get, like so you go home with like yeah. a ton of paperwork, and of course the junk food, which is generally the only thing yeah. to eat at these places, <laughs> uh, and uh, long bathroom lines. So those are the things that I felt uh, were missing, but everything else seemed <laughs> quite good. Uh, my, uh, you know, good. No, it's just yes. Um, uh, um, the as as these places are, they're always notorious for having terrible food, aren't they? Uh, and if it is edible, then it's three times the price it should be on the street. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I didn't miss that. Um, I did miss though. I did miss meeting friends face to face and and chatting, seeing people I haven't seen for six months or even a year sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I do miss. I did miss. Um, there, sort of, there seemed to be a bit more friction in the interactions. Um, so, you know, if you're wandering a trade show floor and you can you wander onto a stand and you're playing with a camera, somebody will come up and say hello and you'll have a quick conversation, you know. Um, there, there were people available for online chat and I think even audio as well, audio chats uh, on the various different vendors' stands. Um, but I didn't go for that at all, Um there seemed to be a bit more friction there. And also probably I, I wasn't really in a buying mood today anyway. So it wasn't my intent to buy anything today. It's so. also also yeah. a lot of the interaction that you had between your peers is not there. Um, they, they didn't set up like a, a meeting area, a virtual meeting area for us, the, the consumers to... Um, mm. to meet and hang out which 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 you have a lot on these trade shows and um i've i've been on another event where they did that but that was not a free event so it was a different kind of dynamic there of course so and a different need for the I, yeah. uh for the for the um for the company who ran that event to to supply that so yeah i i think that that it could be improved by the addition of private rooms Uh, which individual artists or um, creators in general could uh, assign a kind of time where they will be there to interact with people on a mm. much more um, general way, um, just to meet and greet. Uh, yeah. I, I've been in situations like that, and it, it's worked very, very well. Also, where you, you could in advance say all of these 
uh, lecturers um, or, or photographers or videographers are going to be there, why don't you put in those who you would like to meet? And that is sent out. And so that kind of creates a early dynamic so that when you meet them, there is that kind of uh, bonhomie, as, as uh, we French call it. You know, I, I, my own experience was uh, quite different. I went, um, A, because I was just waking up, uh, but uh, uh, did uh, see a very interesting uh, lecture on copyright, uh, a subject that is uh, near and dear to my heart, very, very um, important to me and my work. Uh, and and uh, I, I had I had communicated with this particular lawyer in the past on certain um, uh, on certain copyright questions, and he gave a very very thorough analysis and had opened it up to a lot of interaction. There was not a huge amount of people there, so there was a lot of interactive discussion, uh, back and forth, question and answer that that I thought was uh, was quite good. Of course, at the end of the day. Uh, what I took away was the fact that uh, copyright law on you know both in Europe, uh, the UK, uh, no longer part of Europe, <laughs> and, and America are are extraordinarily uh, complex, all gray zone, all very much up to individual judges, and in Nothing many clear. in many cases very broken. Yes. <laughs> Completely like so, I came. I came away feeling not quite despondent, but like that every uh, approach to copyright, whether you are on the um, on the kind of misuse side, uh, so called, or on the protective side of your own work, is extraordinarily gray, complex, and there is no. Uh, road to follow to either protect yourself or reappropriate work. Um, and that, you know, that I think is, is in terms of our future photography, something that will either uh, harden in terms of the definition of who owns what, when, how licenses are disseminated, what is the fair um, price for someone who does misuse copyright. All of those things will either harden and be uh, like any kind of evolving legal um, evolution, um, or it will just be more and more chaotic. Um, I've Because I'm on the Political Action Committee of the Directors Guild, we meet often on, on protecting coffee, copyright with uh, senior officials, senators, uh, congresswomen, et cetera, and people of the executive. And and the the problem we have, and I've I've been part of you know testifying, also in Washington. Um, the, one of the problems with it is that the lawmakers on on everywhere in the world are not that familiar with what it really means uh, to create work, to uh, redress work, to reinvigorate old work. Uh, so they don't have the kind of deep understanding that artists or even publishers um, have, uh, and and that creates uh, a lot of problems for their staff. And so legislation is very difficult to move through, uh, whatever our collective systems are. What so, is the name of the speaker? 
Um, I will tell you. I'll tell you in a I, moment. I think, I think might, some, some people might want to go and yeah, sure. watch some of the exactly. sessions. The, the thing is, the, the, the stuff is available online for free. So it um, is. it's not it a paid is. event, uh, so everyone can join in there and uh, yeah, it's also categorized isn't it so on on the if when you log into the show that the yeah. the content is in streams and one of the streams certainly was about the business of stuff yeah uh, so so i watched yeah it, it was in there richard Leibowitz, i think okay. uh, Leibowitz uh, yeah, law okay. firm uh we could you know we could put this up on a show note too of yes. uh he's he Leibowitz law firm uh, specifically is engaged in uh i think photo copyright uh on both sides of the equation okay um and he seems to know a lot about it so look you know look for that okay so i've watched uh several sessions and i've looked some some more on the creative side of things uh including one that was quite unassuming but um it did something with me and it was the art of backlight by andy parkinson and yeah. um what he did is he basically showed photos uh, he's a wildlife photographer, so he showed a lot of wildlife photos that were all very heavy on the backlit side. And I'm a great fan of that type of lighting because it always adds interest mm, to things. Me too. Um, I, I kept saying on workshops that everyone should have a backlight with them all the time just to be look, to look good <laughs> on portraits. You know, you have to, have to have this attached somewhere behind your head uh, in a sort of a harness. Um and d very different kinds of backlit photos. He doesn't artificially light it. He says he, he artificially lit three photos in his career with big strobes and things. But uh, he just gets up really early in the morning and is up late so that it that you get the 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 situation where light is very low, very direct, and then you have a swan with like the feathers around it being lit up, and it's almost a silhouette, and then it's splashing water. You have these water splashes in the air in front of a dark background, like really star striking photography. And uh, it's a future of the photography thing for me because I, we see cameras kind of doing, doing depth estimation and re- rejiggering the lights a bit like changing the the way the light falls on something based on the depth estimate and it's it's looking okay but that's the kind of stuff that no ai at this point will be able to do uh, or if then nowhere near the fidelity of this um so it re it's really a good exercise watching that talk is really good exercise in in in, in in understanding a bit more what light actually does because that is just yeah. the, po stunning. the power of backlight uh, uh is um is so much uh more uh sculptural and yes. i want to say glowy it, it's a misuse of the word but um when i began my my uh so-called career in in film i was a commercial director i did many, many, many commercials. And I worked with many, many, many DPs, uh, European in particular, br many Brits. And those Brits who I worked with, the British DPs, Adrian Biddle uh, as one shot for Ridley early, um, they were all in the 80s. The, they would not do a shot unless it was backlight. <laughs> and I remember going uh, and we were lighting scenes inside um, kind of big, small rooms, and they would punch these hard lights through opposite windows. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised because it, it has. And I, 
it, I embraced it. It you makes know, it makes very very strong compositions. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm, Even just as casual portraits, I think it's great. So one of the things absolutely. I've always loved to do is just use uh, you know, a little bit of on-camera fill flash and have the sun in the background. You yeah. know, um, I had when I had the original Fuji X100, I used to do that quite a lot because that had just a little um, had a little fill-in flash built oh. into the camera, yeah. and you also had uh, you could dial it down. You had a flash exposure compensation. Yeah or flash conversation, whatever the right word is. And you could dial it down by about like a stop and a half. Um, yeah. And it would just put a little catch light in the jar, just a little bit, you know, a catch light in the eye and it would, and just a little bit of fill to the face. And, and it was, it was a splendid, a splendid thing. And Parkinson did, did think... both. I mean, he did, did like really hard silhouettes with just a, a rim of light around yeah. them. And some where he, he had a lot of light in the front, like a, I think it was a hare jumping over snow. So there was lots of light coming from below, reflected from the snow. So really, like all the different kinds of things really makes you think and really kind of drives home the point that ah, the machine learning things are not really ready for that yet. We have we still have to see the yeah, light and I, watch I, the I, light. Yeah, I think you're 100% uh, on this, that there are things that even if AI could generate some kind of automatic exposures, it would not be as sensual or dynamic yeah. as the ratio of backlight to front light. It, yeah. It's that some images are just so incredibly powerful when you have a, you know, blasting backlight and just it's the reduction, to, you know, bring it, the sh it's the yeah. reduction and it makes the viewer work. It makes their brains work and put together the puzzle <laughs> pieces because they only get a very limited uh, amount of information from just a rim of something. Yeah. You know, so it seems they... to me that we should we should do an episode on <laughs> lighting and the future of lighting in terms of uh, all these new technologies which are available and what will work and what will forever be uh under the the best auspices of nature and and so creating that it's probably well worth the conversation making a note it does about sound this. like it'd be well worth the conversation <laughs> yeah it's it's it is an interesting one that that yeah when it comes to those elements of the craft i mean if the 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 craft is the human craft and skill is still needed i uh uh, it, it's it's called to mind one of the other sessions I watched. I think Chris, you watched this as well, uh, which was uh, the um, how to be your own crew uh, using a three hundred and sixty camera. Yes, um, and uh, I I think you know as as <laughs> as funny as it was to watch, um, I think the the technology in that particular camera probably isn't quite up to it yet. I mean, it it was unfortunate that the video seemed to have been shot at the beach on a very bright and sunny day because it really did. Um, it really did show up some of the weaknesses in the sensor. It showed the limitation in the in the dynamic range so well, um, and um, uh, it, I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing what you can do with these three hundred and sixty cameras. Um, it's all, it also moves a lot of the work that you do as a creative. It, normally, what you do is you do a lot of work as a creative at the beginning of the process and during the process. And what this does is it, it moves all these creative decisions to the end of the process because you just hold up the camera and then it captures everything. And then you will go back and do framing at the end of the process. So the workload yeah. 
towards the end of the process gets so much higher by some of these things that I have um I think one thing that might happen is that people will uh, shoot a lot, but then they hate the editing because it's that all that work that they're creating while shooting. And uh, so that, that's, I think that's a weak point of these kind of cameras, that they create a mountain of work at the end of the process. I, th I think they do. But if you are a one-person crew and you don't have any choice, then at least there is an option. I think, I think we need a bit of maturity there. Talking about the future of photography, um, I think these things have become really interesting uh, when they become a bit cleverer and they have things like built-in ND filters because uh, you can't put an ND filter on a 360 cap. Where would you put it? Oh, <laughs> you like, you'd, like you'd a put a ND filter. You'd put a, a membrane. A, a <laughs> yeah. An ND Christmas ornament around it. That's yeah, it. Membrane, My beef with, with 360 cameras are uh, more from the storytelling point of view, which is uh, unless you go into a situation with a point of view, what you're really doing is just making a general capture and then inventing it later. Not that you can't apply great creative sensibility. I mean, Jim Cameron's movies are effectively shot like that, um, you know, in a much bigger scale. But the what what is orchestrated beautifully is the blocking of the dynamic movement between people and the relationships. They're there for the eye to see, and then the capture can be adjusted so that subject itself like theater is very very much the the, the inception i mean in still photography it's i i don't see it yet. we are we are we're i think we are just in the process when when we look back at how film has evolved filming movies have evolved in the beginning there were big boxes the cameras were big boxes that were stationary and then they put them on rails and they could move and then they put them on cranes and then they put them on your shoulder and you could be handed out every i will single... make a correction there making Sorry? a correction the first cameras were light small and much easier to move i'm talking about big <laughs> hollywood productions kind of stuff so uh, afterwards like yeah <laughs> But but what we're looking at is an evolution, and every time something new came along, the according language had to be invented. And the same thing is happening right now. We have these captures that capture everything, and uh, we still don't really know how to work with it. Sound is becoming way more important. How to guide the attention of the viewer um, is it's changing. But it's only a few years uh, until we are going to have the devices. Uh, readily available to most of us to to be inside one of these environments and that is we 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 have to do some more work to get this to get the language down and to uh to make this uh, a nice and good experience for for the recipient i think yeah i i think in terms of where to i mean all always with 360 is where do you want the audiences or the individual uh to place their attention. Yes. And one could do it with light. One could do it with movement, energy. Uh, sound is important. It, uh, sound is super important. Sound, especially yes. if, you, if you can place it in the space and that is coming more and more, that will be one of the very important cues there. Yeah, so, that's so, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you still only have two ears. but So it doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you can you can do a lot of interesting things there, and there's a ton of experimentation right now. Friend of mine, I've, I just just before we did this live stream, I did an interview with him for tips from the top floor, where uh, he he filmed hiking in the Himalayas with 360 and with regular rectangular formats, and he's editing that. And uh, the the problem right now is he's editing that basically for an audience watching it on rectangular devices because nine out of 10 people will watch that on YouTube without ever even having the idea that they can swipe around and see something else. So he has to, ed at this point, he has to edit that for uh, for a rectangular audience, for lack of a better word. And, um, and uh, that means that if you take that same material and try to watch it inside a VR headset, there are so many cuts that jerk you around that it's 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 not it's not a lot of fun to watch it in that. So if he had the time, he's spending like ten hours editing on one of these episodes. So if he had the time, he would be doing two completely separate versions of that for the different types of audiences. Also, isn't one of the major problem that I, I've experimented a bit with those 360s, um, and and one of the problems is the um, how do you make the the transition from one camera position to another uh, so that it becomes a fluid dynamic if rather you, than a cut. If you keyframe that, people will get motion sick. <laughs> Exactly there's, my point. There's, I, I, I there's still things to be solved. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's 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 actually interesting though that yeah, you know, just as a, a takeaway from the whole show is that uh, I wasn't I wasn't seeing much in terms of computational photography and the usage of computational photography. Um, so yeah, that was something I'm cl clearly very interested in, um, as are we all, and it's. There's, I, I, I'm not sure why, because there was plenty about using, you know, using phones um, uh, as a as a as a main camera, um, but little about what it other other than them being small and easy to position and discreet. Little little about really how they might help you. So there wasn't anybody saying this is how you do night shots because that you night night mode video on. Or, or or something like that. There wasn't anything about um, you know capturing um, uh, bursts, you know, or, or or any of the other things that we come to to think about in in our phones and and our, uh, our non dedicated camera devices. Um, that would that was interesting to me because. And then I thought, well, possibly it's because a lot of the money behind this show comes from the manufacturers of traditional cameras. Our listener, <laughs> uh, our listener the Frog, says it. that there will be a talk tomorrow called Through the Night, which I think covers some of that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. You thank, thank, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. Um, uh, Dude, I if, you could, seen if you could create your ideal trade show, <laughs> what would it be? That's not well, a question we can answer here, I guess. <laughs> that's a, I, I, that's well, a tiny question with fly. huge consequences. Yeah, I can. I, can, I can't tell you <laughs> what the whole thing it. would look like. Yeah, I can't tell you what the whole thing would look like. I have to go back though and say that Chris and I had different opinions of the user interface for this show. I thought oh, it was I delightful, like it. delightfully clunky, but delightful. It was okay. So, so here, here. Uh, okay, just just let me get rid of this here for a second. We had a. Uh, um, yeah, we had a bit of a disagreement, 
I mean, it was nice that they had this like visual representation of a show floor, and you had different areas you could click on and so on. But um, the the just the, the fact that most of the links or a big chunk of the links led you outside of this experience yeah, to did, the comp yeah, yeah. the corporate pages of Canon and so on, without letting you know that this would take you outside of the conference. So you would end you know, up I had being the same problem. being kicked. So out. sometimes they did yeah. and sometimes they didn't, which was and there was no marker of that. That was um, the whole thing mm. was. For me, it was a bit of a frustrating experience to navigate. Having that said, I mean, yeah, it, there, there's, I think there's certainly ways to make this easier and simpler. Um, but the way it was, it was a bit disconnected. I mean, there was the analog stream, which was pre-recorded sessions, and I, it took me five minutes to find those videos on the website because they were like, yeah, that was hard. Actually, I thought that they made that harder than necessary. So yeah, it should have. I think it should have been much, much easier. But then again, it's a free show. So who am I to complain about free stuff that I get that is interesting? I was really referring to what the best um, subjects of uh, who would you invite to a trade show, given that uh, a normal trade show where you could walk around yeah. or or a virtual one. But what would be the ideal one? I mean, you know, obviously there would be new gear or old gear, how to use it. Uh, there would be inspirational stuff. There would be galleries. There would be a section on corporate. But how would that, should a trade show have a theme each year that really drives the focus or should it be just so general? You know, if you have a template for this and it's something that you can easily create with a different set of content, which I think is probably going to be possible, then um, why not have one of these every every other month with a new theme? I mean, this, this, this could really yeah. be done now because people don't have to travel. They just need to free up like half a day for a bunch of sessions and... Um, do this in I'm thinking about the workshop business because um, here in Germany our happy shooting workshops they are yeah they, they don't happen right now and uh, we're looking at virtual ways to do them and uh, I got some in, some distinct feedback from some listeners saying that you know we we can't we we have a family we have lots of stuff we are in front of screens all the time we don't want to like block off half a day to do something how about making this a instead of a like a weekend workshop thing how about making this into a uh, a group that meets up every few weeks and uh, we, we we discuss photos and we do assignments together but it's like a short evening meeting for maybe an hour and that's that happens every two or three weeks something like that just you mean like just alcoholics change. anonymous sort of <laughs> but but make photo, photo, photographers anonymous um, but you know you know change the format in ways that the online world lends itself to as opposed to having this two days and everything is together, which is nice because it gets attention, but uh, it's kind of tough to sit through like an entire two days of sessions. You probably won't really do this. Whereas it, it is, at a trade show, pretty, you would have done intense. it, you know? And it's been pretty intense today, and it's disturbingly like what I do Monday to Friday as well. And, that, and that's <laughs> um, a bit of a so problem with the online conferencing problem, yeah. world, yes. It, it is a bit of a problem, but it, but it is also nice that I've been able to say, okay, here's a day, I'm going to focus on this for a day and 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 get value out of it. 
But you are doing uh, this have, from your home. Uh, there's have, your family yeah, think, around. There's friends. There's like lots of distractions. Well, they were all out today mostly, so it was fine. <laughs> but like the, uh, it is, it is, it is an interesting one though. So what I've experienced today is very much an attempt to, to in some ways, replicate what you would get at a normal trade show. I mean, there were, uh, uh, you know, there were people online, you know, staff behind the ex- exhibition booths who you could chat to and stuff like that. Um, and it did seem, it did seem, perhaps that some opportunities were missed. It could have been more about. There could be maybe more of a theme. It could be more based around um, work. Uh, you know, actually seeing work as opposed to you know doing work. Um, and it could, yeah, and maybe even more on education. Although there was there were, there were quite a few interesting and educational type things as well. Oh, I think- I'm always interested. By the way, for on on that point of education, I'm always interested in like a real, just tell me how you guys feel, like where there would be, say, five hour or half a day on printing technologies, mm-hmm. like just from soup to nuts, just everything you want to know about printing on the highest technical level, whether it's book printing all the way to cyanotypes to you know, making a daguerreotype coating emulsions, using the latest cannons, using the latest Epsons, the new printers that are coming. Like, I think that is great. Uh, you know, like to actually dig down and use, that's what I meant by a focus theme. Mm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. one could be on lenses, glass, from old Russian glass, adapting that to the what's coming in terms of fluorite and you know what could it? Those things would really be inspiring and and also interesting, but also commercial and commercially viable for the sponsors. So, I think making it too general um, feels to me that it the attraction of this show felt more um, with for starting photographers, for people yeah. who are looking. Just to to what's interesting? To how get a can taste I get of into everything? It, pretty much. Be, yeah, yeah. It it is a very consumer oriented show. Um, apart from apart from that, some of the equipment is, is pro equipment. Um, a lot of the content in the show, and it's it's always been like that. Uh, this particular show has always been quite consumer oriented. Um, uh, but it's I, I don't think that. I think it, it it has a larger addressable market if it if it pitches itself that way, um, perhaps. And then maybe maybe the uh, the concept of I guess another name for what you've just described, Jeremiah, is masterclasses. Um, yeah, and and to go th- to have yeah, that kind of in depth approach. I, yeah, I, I think want that would to be useful. I want to interject here because um, the the master classes are really targeted towards the high level of things. But um, what I see as an opportunity with the themed ones that Jeremiah mentioned is to have something that has something for every level, like people who want to get started with, let's say, yeah. cyanotype, who people want to mm-hmm. get started with that, people who want to go uh, more advanced, people who want to go to the to the ma- most masterful yeah. level. So have everything in there, uh, so everyone can dive into a topic and it doesn't have to be a sign up it could be it could be a bit broader and say printing and that could cover much more and lots more things i think there are opportunities yeah, to change the general print. format of things 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what, by the way, one talk that I watched um, that I found interesting and very, very relevant to what we are going through right now was A Journey Through Isolation with David Yarrow, um, who's a photographer um, who I think does a lot of commercial photography. And he, um, I, I didn't know him before. Um, he has a very distinct very high contrasty processed style black and whites um which is for my taste almost a bit over the top but uh, again that's just a matter of taste and he he talked about uh, photo shoots different kinds of photo shoots and shot showed photos and it was an interview but it was very well edited like there were there were like there was camera switching there were he was showing what he was talking about which was very helpful and a lot about the shooting in the context of covid um where like how do you do the logistics to get somewhere um for example like one shoot in iceland he said it wasn't a problem to get to iceland because iceland's second biggest um biggest uh money maker is film the film industry so they kind of need that so they were um, relatively easy um, on getting into the country and working there of course you had to be tested and everything but then talked about the logistics team that helps getting these things done like in on some photo shoots there was like temper temperature testing five times a day um, got to be a bit resourceful i uh, talked about africa because he shot in the serengeti over the last four or five months and um he talked about uh like what that means because if you have them big stretches of the serengeti for yourself as a pro photo team um what does that mean because the, your strength in that moment is you're alone so you don't have any tourists walking into your shots but at the same time those um strengths become weaknesses because you have less eyes finding things because if 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 you've ever been on a safari you will know that you meet others that come at you and they stop and they say if you go half an hour this way you'll see this and that and that we just saw that there so there's a lot of communication going on around these things that did not happen so it was tougher to find the good spot so but that was really good great stories i mean shoot a shoot in texas where he says um everyone has a gun um they they sell guns next to toothpaste and at one point they had a rental car and they accidentally took the wrong car in front of a pub so they drove away with someone's car and he looked under the seat and there was a loaded gun under there. So they brought the car back and just pretended nothing happened. It was a very fun uh, interview with <laughs> scary situations. So that was, uh, yeah, again, a journey yeah. through isolation, David Yarrow. Um, he's British, I think. No, he's Australian, I think. Anyway, it was that was fun um, to watch and good information in there. Mm. So that was very, well, very relevant. Yeah, it's been quite a day, actually, hasn't any, it? It's any been, other talks you know, that you've seen, Adrian, that you found worth mentioning? Well, um, uh, yeah, the, the, what, just just some of it. Some of it worked really well. I mean, the one that Rode Microphones did about you know editing audio for video, and and it was really be, it it was the basics of uh, of EQ, the basics of compression and things like that. But it went into into it and explained the reasons why and explained how all of these things worked. Um, I thought that was a really good one. If anybody's if anybody's 
you know, just bought their first little microphone to plug into their phone for shooting video and wants to get a little bit crisper sound out of it and things like that. You know, uh, it could that could be a really good video. I'd recommend that one. It was well put together. Uh, there are some others, unfortunately, where some of the some of the live camera switching didn't work quite so well, where you could switch cameras and but then lost audio and stuff like that. But still, some some interesting stuff there. Um, and I think um, uh, I think just. The, the one about solutions journalism, I'll, I'll mention briefly. Now, this is a chap um, called Doug or Dougal Shaw, I think. And he, this was another interview one. But he is a, uh, I suppose you'd call him a, a journalist and also perhaps a documentary filmmaker. Um, and he was talking about his workflow, but also his shooting equipment, which is uh, essentially a phone uh, and a microphone. Um, and he was talking about just just what it changes in the dynamics of speaking to people and interviewing people. It's not just about being you know um, agile and being able to go and do these things on your own. Um, although of course, yeah, you know, that that is um, that does make things e slightly easier in these times. Um, it is also just about the connections that you make. Um, I think one of his messages was that if you have a phone and this is a really tangible but really prosaic thing, if you have a phone, the distance you need to get to from somebody uh, to, to do a sort of medium length shot that you might want for an interview, a filmed interview, is roughly the same distance as you would stand naturally just to talk to them and have a conversation. And so there's a really good dynamic there um, about you, you, it's, it's not so much an us and them because you're not you know 10 feet away hiding behind a massive camera on a tripod you're, you're actually at a, a normal conversation distance and you're carrying a very small piece of equipment and uh you know you can make good eye contact you can talk to each other um he said it was a bit he, he did have a little clip where he was trying to do the same thing after covid had kicked in and and, and his in his microphone instead of being mounted on the on the little frame he was holding the phone in um, was now then on a, a yeah, four-foot boom pole because he couldn't get too close. Um, and it was noticeable that that did change, you know, the, you know as, as an observer, that changed the dynamic of the interview that he was doing. Um, and so that, that, was, that was interesting. As I say, I still don't really have much of an idea what solutions journalism is, but, but certainly I think that in a lot of ways that is, if it's not the present of photography, it, it's the future of of photography you know especially the the ad hoc quick response journalistic type of content you know um, it's interesting interesting how the iphone uh in shooting videos uh is so relatively unthreatening to people mm. that both on sort of street photography interviews just generally because everyone has them so they don't see them as like oh this glaring eye looking at them they have to tighten up i mean there's a you know I've, I've worked on documentaries before and and the the trick with documentaries when you're having a lot of gear sometimes two cameras and you know you're you're invading somebody's life is the, the rule of thumb is just you keep hanging around and you keep shooting and shooting and shooting because for the first it could be day two days three days People are just, they're on guard. They're, they're very measured in their responses. But after a while, it's just like, oh, I can't keep this up. And that's when you start to get gold. You saturate them, yeah. they, they just become, it, <laughs> yeah, you just become part of their regular world. And they just let it 
you know, let it go. And I say this when I've been on camera, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. With an iPhone, that happens just like that. A lot quicker, because yeah. It, it's it's a, just a familiar piece of technology that everyone understands, likes, embraces, and go, of course you have an iPhone. Of course you want to take a picture of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think you get a lot of different kinds of things. And I it's, think that, that is a very exciting I, I think it is. I think it's, it is different. Um, and, uh, and as the technology in these phones gets better, the, the compromises you have to make, you know, the quality versus connection, perhaps being historical compromise you have to make, uh, that that that's less of an issue um and it, one last thing though on the technology front it, it was interesting to note that everybody that had a phone had an iphone <laughs> nobody had any phones that were not iphones so i mean you hit see now i think sony have released a new phone recently that that shoots incredibly detailed video and, and sony now had to make sensors and cameras don't they uh but nobody Nobody had anything but an iPhone. Um, so uh, I don't know if the, what, what that says uh, about the future of photography, but uh, it, it was just an observation I made. Well, so I would say we'll wrap this up here. It's a... Uh... Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting... I, I like this discussion because it went into what they said, but also what the whole show was like and what might be different. I think that's one of our strengths to to theorize about how to do these things differently. So um, thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Jeremiah, for being here and doing this little live stream. Um, we are going to release this as a regular episode. So whoever listens to this, you can also go watch it. Uh, it's going to be up on YouTube. And um, with that, I think next episode will be a regular episode again. Um, we will put some of the titles of these uh, sessions in the show notes. So you can go look them up on their website. And maybe rewatch them. And uh, with that, I'd say okay. um, bye bye. And thanks for your time. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. <laughs> bye. See you Take soon. care, guys. Bye bye. bye. So, live stream has stopped. Uh, I think it was a bit shaky for some reason. But anyway, the recording. Seems to have worked well. Jeremiah's already dropped out. Yep. Let me do a quick test and see if the recording went okay. September twenty. I hope so. It'd be difficult to yep. be that spontaneous a second time. <laughs> you know, I had a few episodes during my uh, podcasting career that I had to redo for stupid technical reason usually oh dear and uh yeah some of those are, then and then you have to fake fake spontaneity which does not really work so it's better to admit right at the start but we don't have to record this again it's already in the can okay okay dokie so i have to run um yeah me too actually yeah and uh thanks for watching the frog the, yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for chat, being in the chat room all day. It's been great. Our hero in the chat room. Um, let me put this back into the into its frame. There we go. Um, yeah, um, that's it. We'll say goodbye. <laughs>
to the yes, to the live you. stream on Discord. Thanks, the Frog, for being here. And Take care we, then. We might make this oh. a regular thing in the future. Maybe Why something not? interesting. Why not? Yeah, it could be fun. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.